Okay, hello everyone. This is Representative Dan Miller. Welcome to our On the Table podcast, which is you know, kind of special here for us because it's our better know a district. And that means better know for me because I need to know these districts even better. And so I love it because we get a chance to bring in a fellow colleague of mine where we're going to talk a little bit, learn a little bit about him, especially this one here today because he is the first newcomer that we've had on the show. So wait, before I let him on here, I also want to note that uh, I also am joined uh, with a staff. Now, typically it's been staff or John, but joining we, with me now is Nick. Uh, so Nick is from my whip office. We appreciate Nick. How you doing? Happy to be here. Yeah. I'm good. So Nick, uh, do you feel any pressure for taking over after Steph and John? A lot. You I'm kind of nervous. Yes, very you, nervous. You should. You should make sure that you're uh, on you know, the mic. Yeah, well, we're glad to have you here with it. So, but uh, Nick is uh, Nick is new to us, so we appreciate. It. But Nick, you've been here with the Capitol for how long? I've been in the caucus for about five years. So five years. What did you do before that? Before that was in newspapers. Patriot News Pen Live. Is that right? Yep. That's where I met Nick. Oh, look, that's another voice. That's another voice coming in. But yes, so you and do let's it, go you right talk to before our, being introduced. No, here we go. That's too. A big move. Uh, Today, of course, we are joined with State Representative uh, ben, ben Waxman, who's a freshman legislator from the city of Philadelphia, representing the 182nd Legislative District. Uh, and Ben currently sits on commerce, finance, gaming, oversight, and appropriations, right? Right. Yeah. And that's why I'm here today in this studio. <laughs> that's right. In the studio, which, you know, in is fantastic. Yeah, well, and we, you could tell how much money we're, we have to operate this studio experience. It's coming along it great. It is uh, gold. Like, you know, what I want people who are listening to imagine the studio, and you walk into the house floor, and it's that gold leaf. Of course. And that's what this podcast studio is yes. is like. Yes. It's very, very similar to the grandeur yes. of the House of <laughs> Representatives when you walk He's in. He's not wrong, except for our lime, lime green wall, which is here. But this, pla this plastic table. Plastic table. Other than that, this is historic. Yes. Yeah, no, it's yes. fantastic. And Ben, of course, you're here. We're going to talk a little bit, too, about your work on the Appropriation Committee. But my staff uh, always would get on me because uh, we do this segment here where we do this two truths and a lie. And if I talk too much in the beginning, then I end up figuring out it. So uh, so you don't know which ones of these are true. And I you hope don't you know. do. Yeah. I do. I hope I will. Yeah. So we're going to figure so that out. It's about me, but you don't know which ones are I true. Have no idea. Oh, so you're going to guess live guess. on this podcast. Yes. Okay. We're, and, and typically, I do fantastic. Typically. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. All right, so uh, Nick, hook us up. Give me, let me see here. Go ahead. All right, two truths and a lie. You ready? Here we go. While attending Juniata College, Rep Waxman got his start as a journalist writing for the Huntington Daily News newspaper. Okay, now that's interesting because, because he did say that he knew you in your past like life. So that's interesting. All right, go ahead. Give me number two. Number two, covering part of central Philadelphia. Rep. Waxman's district encompasses part of the city's central business district, including Pennsylvania's tallest building, the Comcast Technology Center. See, there's so much detail. And, of course, me being from Pittsburgh, it doesn't help out. Not but at I all. know he's in the center of Philadelphia, uh, and I know that it's a big business district over there. Folks, this is where you see one of the big things about manage about being a, in leadership and being you know positions of responsibility is managing expectations, and that <laughs> and that is what he's doing right now. That's Why don't right, we go right, to that right. third All right. question, Nick? All right, go number three, our third, third item. Yep. Even though he was raised in the southeast corner of the state, Rep. Waxman's family is originally from Maryland and went to school in Central Pennsylvania. So he's actually a Ravens football fan, even though he's also a Phillies baseball fan. All right. I'm going to go with number 
Wait, hold on. Wait, I got to do two. Tr- so I got to pick the lie, of course. I you got to pick the lie. All right, I'm going. The lie is the building. Oh, that I don't represent the tallest building. Correct. No. No. no what was it? it? That's not it. <laughs> Tell me. It's the Ravens football fan. You know thing. what? See, I thought he would be taking such that's a hit not, that he would have to it be like bold. It's so unlikely that I, it might be true. Uh, yeah, that's it. I thought you were being no, bold. I was, like, I'm come, from Philadelphia. Coming, I was born. I've lived. Yeah. I, I went to college in, in at Juniata. That is yeah. true out in western Pennsylvania. But I was. they were all Steelers fans out there. None of them were. Not, nobody that I went to college with were Ravens fans, really. Everybody, you, if there were the small number of people that were from you know, east of Harrisburg, we were Eagles fans, but then everybody else was from everyone's yeah. Pittsburgh. And- so look, obviously we mentioned uh, the 182nd there. Uh, you mentioned that you grew up, uh, that you're from Philly. I'm from Philly. Uh, I, I I grew up, uh, you know, just outside the cities where I went to high school and, and then lived in the in the 182nd pretty much my entire adult life. It's where I moved right after college and stayed. So it's Center City, Philadelphia, right downtown. Yeah, no, I, I've, I've been there a bit um, a couple times uh, in Philadelphia. It's a fantastic city. What made you kind of... What what made you kind of get into this and from get the into first politics? Place? Like yeah. as a, like overall big question. Yeah, uh, I well first off I do think that there's quite a bit wrong with the world that uh, ought to be changed. Uh, politics seems like the funnest way to do that. I mean one of the I mean I, I, there are many reasons that I love b- being involved in politics, but one of them is just and this is you know very true these days in this current role is you just get to meet a lot of weird, interesting people that you wouldn't meet otherwise. And you wind up then doing lots of things with them, right? I mean, it's it's one of the things that I love about politics is that it is something that because of the way it is structured, the way it is done, you wind up meeting lots of different kinds of people from lots of different walks of life and background because that's how politics is. It is, it is actually more accessible than almost any other industry you're gonna have. So. Um, you know, I got interested in th- politics, really, I mean, through, like, punk rock. I, you know, I didn't, <laughs> Is that right? Yeah, I mean, I didn't really... Uh, high school, I went to high school outside... I went to a high school, public high school, out, right outside the city of Montgomery County, and it just didn't... just wasn't... didn't... wasn't for me. I was more into, like, I wanted to escape the suburbs and get to the city, so I was going downtown all the time. I, You know, I was going to, the, to these punk shows, and there were... Uh, the TLA, the Trocadero, you know, these are some of the, the venues in in uh, in Philly. So punk, so punk music got you into politics. I mean, yeah, it exposed me to like political activism and people right. that were doing stuff. Give, you know, give me a name sense. of a band that was that was before. Oh, I mean, well, just just this will they'll date me hardcore. I was I was in it long long enough or old enough that I saw Flogging Molly open for Anti Flag. Oh. How about that? Yeah, that but- would. That shows how long ago that that was. One of those bands very successful, right. the other one not so much. But so, yeah. But but so no, I listened to a lot of that stuff, and and I listened to. I mean, look, I, nobody, you don't walk into your first record store and go for Fugazi, okay? <laughs> you pick Metallica, Rage Against the Machine. You know that was the stuff that I got started I get you. on. I get you. Um, but but it was at those shows when like anti-racist action had leaflets, right? Because they were trying to get people to come out to the protest against the Nazis or whatever they were doing, and. I got exposed there to it. I got exposed through like some Quaker meeting stuff and some stuff at some synagogues too when I was in high school. So a lot of different things. But so you were combining a lot there. And yeah. that, somehow or another, you ended up working for a senator. 
I wor- yeah, I was Vince Hughes's communications director when he first when 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 Vincent Hughes became the appropriations chair for the Senate. I was one of the first people that came in to be his communications director. That's where I met Nick because Nick was working okay. at Penn Live at the time. Yep. And uh, so I worked for Vince Hughes for like four years, something like that. Well, and that must so. And now you're on the appropriation committees yes. in the House. Yes. So uh, how's that been good? So people don't know first. Yeah. We know that we're in the midst of appropriation hearings. Right. Right. So uh, Governor Shapiro introduced his uh, proposal for the budget uh, last month. Right. Uh, we're now in the midst of of all these hearings that are going on. This is your first go around, at least from a representative standpoint. I know you paid attention when you were with the senator's no, office, I had to but. Tw- Tweet them. Li- I had to live tweet them. You were live. You're not doing that like, now. And I had to get no. And I had to get uh, reporters to write stories about what we were trying to do in the hearings. But those hearings, I mean, for most of the time that I was really in the midst of it, those hearings were different because we had a Republican governor, mm-hmm. and I was working for the minority. We were in the legislative minority. And so it was not so much about building an agenda as it was just ripping down theirs, or at least highlighting the ways in which their agenda was hurting. I mean, this was during the Corbett years. So there was it was pretty easy to point to the ways that their budget priorities were hurting people. They'd cut a billion dollars, you know, out of education funding. So yeah, that really right. that issue, the education funding issue, because of how Corbett did it, the ways in which he did it, it dominated my time working with the Appropriations Committee and working so, uh, for Hughes. And so. obviously here you have uh, a Democratic governor, uh, you know, uh, Josh um, was put forward, as we said, his proposal. Uh, we know that you've had at this point that we've been talking here, you've had a series of the departments uh, that have come through so far. Why don't you tell us something that caught your eye? What was some interesting testimony that you, uh, that you got from uh, one of our uh, department heads? Well, I think that the biggest thing for me has been just the willingness of the governor to make serious investments in the areas that um, you know that he believes in and that he cares about, but also the understand. I'm going to give a specific issue for you in a second. The the coupling of understanding how all of these different issues impact each other. So one of the big centerpieces of this budget is raising the minimum wage to $15 an hour. Is that something that is technically part of the budget? No. Will it impact every single part of the budget? Absolutely. And I thought that he, uh, the governor, as well as some of the folks who testified from the different departments that have come forth, have really been clear about the way that they see all of these different things connected and the way that the governor's plan is attended. You know, it's really meant to address big hardcore sweeping, you know, issues. And I think the teacher, I'll give you an example, is like the teacher retention uh, work that's a part of this budget doesn't sound like the biggest thing on its own, right? No, no, it, it sounds pretty big. Though. It is big because yeah. it's like it addresses this whole question of getting people. Look, we've we've shifted from an economy where it used to be all about attracting businesses. Now it's all about attracting workers. And anybody that doesn't under like I ran it before I was elected to the general assembly. I did run my own businesses. I started a couple of different businesses over the years and. Uh, the biggest issue that you have right now is attracting quality people to work for you and retaining those people. And so once, if we can make that shift, that mentality of thinking that, oh, we got to attract, but no, the businesses will go where the workers are. That's the 
that's the economic dynamic we have. Anyway, yeah. So. No. Well, I mean, look, and the teaching is a, is obviously a big thing, and I know education is a major component as well, not just in Philadelphia, yeah. but a, a big thing for us in Pittsburgh. And you know, we are, uh, you know, there's so much in education that still needs to be, um, you know, addressed. Uh, but we are seeing some problems, and this is what Governor Shapiro is trying to talk about: is how do you get new teachers into the profession, and not just new teachers, but paraprofessionals and school librarians and school psychologists and all the way down the road uh, line, everything that would actually be needed in the schools to educate our children today. I mean, look, these are not small issues. No, absolutely not. And I think that it's not just about getting teachers to come, it's about getting teachers to stay. So how do we, the people who are in our system, how do we get them to retain them? And and that in order to have a functioning school system, you have to have, you have to attract and retain yeah, professionals. No doubt. Well, so. uh, and did I understand too that you, did you do some labor work at one point as well? Yes, I really started, well, first of all, I come from a union household. That's like the most important thing in terms of my own experience with it was, you know, my mom was a single mother. She was raising three kids, making $27,000 a year with pretty bad benefits. And in fact, um, she, essentially she did not have a contract she did not have any kind of union protection whatsoever and the job you know one of her managers basically just tried to abruptly take away a benefit that she was really counting on um, and it, it really led her to realize that she needed to to better her situation right. mm-hmm. and wound up um, getting a job working in the Montgomery County public school system as uh, working in the intermediate unit like as an educator working with special yeah. needs children and so she, it, I mean, joining a union changed her life. It changed our lives. It was a really, really important thing for just the fact, you know, and now she's, after more than a decade, she's retired now and able to have a comfortable, stable life as a retiree because of her union and because of her pension and because of all of those things. So that's really important um, for me. I also uh, have worked with, I, I worked with AFSCME uh, in Philadelphia when I was in college, I did a, uh, a program with the New York City AFL-CIO, the labor studies program there through Queens College. And I actually worked with uh, Local 802, which is the AFM, the uh, Musicians Union in New York. It was a very interesting union to work for. Um, so I worked with them, and you also just took classes. And so I have a labor a certificate in labor studies um, from oh, Queens great. College. And, and then, But then later on, I did wind up using all of that because I worked for the UFCW on the Walmart campaign. But that was... Back in 2012, a while ago. Well, so So. you got a pretty big uh, sort of labor experience here. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Well, it's. um, But then we have Ronnie Green now in my freshman class, and (laughs) you can't keep up with Ronnie, so what's the point, basically? You know, look, I I think that working Pennsylvanians are glad to have you and Ronnie, and and I know it's obviously a big component of what it means to be part of our caucus. So it is always great when we have people come in with that sort of direct sort of union um, experience, both on your personal side and your work and your education side with it. I, I think that's a great thing. So there's no doubt. Well, listen, give us uh, one last thing here, too, before. Look, you're brand new here. I know you've been working on a couple pieces of legislation uh, as well. Uh, give me this idea of what what's one thing here that you've been working on that you're really hoping to push as you get into your f- whole full term? There's a couple of different things. We're kind of waiting for committee assignments to try to see what was going to be the main focus. For me, um, I've introduced at least one piece of legislation now about cryptocurrency and the licensure of cryptocurrency, um, getting ready to prepare, preparing to introduce some restrictions on advertising for crypto, um, about what they can and can't say in their ads, what, where and where they can, can advertise. It's an industry that 
I am very concerned about. I think that it is uh, an industry that lacks any kind of real serious regulation or, um, you know, they're basically incredibly complicated, unregulated financial products that are being sold. So, I've, I, anyway, we've done some legislation already that we've introduced. There's going to be more um, as probably uh, on the commerce and finance well, committee. I would and providing that, so. transparency into that, uh, yeah. you know, that's a, I, you know, obviously we've seen um, it's not been a banner year and a half or so. No. Right. So, no. yeah, there's a lot no. there and that sort of consumer protection angle is incredibly important. Yep. Well, listen, Ben, I know you've had a long day full of appropriation hearings. Uh, we thank you so much with all it, right. Nick. Happy to be here. How would you feel? Was it all right for you? Oh, it's excellent. Yeah? Good job. Yeah. All right. Well, he's excited. He gets paid to tell you that. <laughs> you know that's what he must do? Why you got to ruin this with having staff? I thought it was legit. Literally, he's like, he's <laughs> was on the mic. It's like, that you're uh, yeah, terrible. Yeah, it's a and we're not re-recording Every this whole day thing. is a good day. Every, Every day, day is a good day. Especially when you're in the majority. Well, listen, I appreciate that. And look, obviously, we're going to be, you know, our goal in that majority, too, is to provide some really good opportunities that have been sort of waiting for this moment. So it's been a long time. Ben's going to be part of that. Uh, We thank everybody for joining on the table, and we'll see you next time.